is Genesis, Genesis chapter four. I believe that if, if uh, we learn the beginning of everything, we won't have so many myths about things, Amen. so many stories that are being told. In Genesis chapter four, we find the first family uh, being manifested and, and get a little glimpse into what life is supposed to be like versus what it really is. Amen. Now, you probably know the story, and I think that you have probably heard it one way or another many, many years, and that's okay. But you're going to hear it different today. Because <laughs> just like they sound, Jesus is real, this story is real. This is the real verse. <laughs> Somebody said, what do you mean the real verse? Well, it's just there's some nuance, nuances that we don't, don't get when we just read the scripture, Okay. So we know about Cain and Abel. I'm going to read it to you in just a moment. But we're not going to talk about the murder. All right. So I'm going to stop at verse seven. <laughs> All right. Just short of murder. That's what most of us are. You, you get you get that. <laughs> Amen. Genesis. Genesis chapter four. Did you get this fan for me? Uh, verse one says, now Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain and said, I have acquired a man from the Lord. Just real quick. She thought that that was the answer to her prayers from Genesis chapter three when she messed up and she thought that this was the answer. She's got a man. Amen. That did not come out right. <laughs> As I heard it in my head, I thought, that don't sound right. But anyway, let's go. <laughs> See, the Bible says, then she bore again, and this time his brother Abel. Uh, now Abel was a keeper of the sheep, and Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain bought the off an offering of the first fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel also bought. Uh, now, uh, excuse me, but there's neither one word in there I need to call your attention to. It says also. And you'll see that later. It says Abel also bought uh, the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. And the Lord had respected Abel and his offering. Let me read that again. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering, but he did not respect Cain and his offering. All right. So let me make sure I tell you up front, there's nothing wrong with the offering. But there was something wrong with the offerers. OK. The Bible says this. And Cain was very angry. And his countenance fell. So the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? I say that to y'all every Sunday. Yes. <laughs> why are you angry? And why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door. And its desire is for you, but you 
shall or should rule over it. Amen. So I want to talk to you on this subject this morning. The consequences of carnal worship. The consequences of carnal worship. One more time. The consequences of carnal worship. You know, you can worship God. Huh? But the Bible says specifically that true worshipers worship him in spirit and in truth. So you can be a carnal worshiper. We'll talk about that in a moment. Let's pray before we start. Father, we thank you. We praise you for this day. We thank you for every soul in divine presence. God, we thank you for every need that's here. God, we know that your anointing is sufficient to meet that need. We thank you for every opportunity that we've been presented to give you thanks. God, for every healing, every deliverance. God, for every relationship that's broken. Heal it now in the name of Jesus. We thank you for every man and woman that's breaking the bread of life around the world. Add a blessing to their words in Jesus' name. Amen. And you may be seated. All right. Now, there's a lot of information, and I spent the last four or five days trying to cut out stuff that I, I probably did not need to talk about. But you see, I can't figure out what you might need and what you may not need. So the only thing I can do is give you what the Spirit of the Lord leads me to, to, uh, to leave you with. And I can do better by telling the story than I can uh, probably reading it from notes. But I'm going to... Some things I need to make sure you understand. A couple of things right off the bat. The Bible says that uh, Adam, who was the father of all mankind, had sinned and God had put him out the garden. Uh, nah, I can't start messing with y'all. It's too early. But anyway, uh, well, I got to tell you this. I talked to the brothers in the house. Now, me and y'all got to stay with me, okay? <laughs> Sometimes your wife will get you put out. <laughs> you, you know, you remember when, 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 you remember when you was uh, younger and you used to hang out at the club? <laughs> your wife gets you put out. Hmm? Sometimes when you're around friends, your wife <laughs> gets you put out. You know how they can get you put out, right? <laughs> but I'm going to leave that alone. Adam and Eve, the Bible said, conceived and had a child. Notice that the Bible said that they conceived and had a child and then they had another child. It did not say that they conceived more than once, but it did say they had two children. If you notice in Genesis chapter 4, verse 25. Uh, what does it say there? Anybody quick? And Adam knew his wife again. He, it says what now? And Adam knew his wife again. So it would lead us to believe that those two boys were twins. That's what it would lead us to believe. Because they conceived once, had two children. Okay? But it doesn't say they were twins. It only says that she had two children. Now when the Bible... Uh, looks at this, it looks at it from a perspective of how it's being written. And you know that Genesis was written by Moses. So Moses was looking at it through a legalistic eye. So he was seeing things just a little bit different than what we see him today. So the Bible says that uh, he knew his wife and she 
bore a first son and called his name Cain. And she said, because I got a man from the Lord. She thought that this was the answer to her prayers and that God had given her someone uh, who was going to uh, lead mankind back to the garden. But then she bore again and she got another son and called his name Abel. And just uh, to paraphrase, Abel means vapor. In other words, she wasn't expecting him to be around long and she wasn't expecting much from him. Y'all, okay. <laughs> so after uh, a period of time, the Bible says, well, let me stop and tell you this. They both had an occupation. They had a job. You had to have a job because they were now out of the garden. And once you got outside the garden, you had to work. Now, before up until this point, Genesis chapters two and three, they took care of the garden uh, pretty much just for fun. You, you know what I mean? It's kind of like uh, uh, like Sister Fonva has a garden out there in the back and she takes care of it. But we just go out and get stuff out of it for fun because we ain't doing no work. <laughs> so so the, the Garden of Eden was like that. You didn't have to work to make anything produce. It just happened. But then once they were put out, and I'm going to get back to the put out part. Once they were put out, the Bible said they now had to work. Now, basically, in, in creation, you had to have food to eat and clothes to wear. So between these two boys, they had that covered. One was a farmer. The other was a shepherd. All right. One raised livestock. Which would lead us to believe that at that point in time, they probably ate meat. But before then, they did not. All right. OK, so you're still with me. So here we are now in the process of time, the Bible says, let me get my Bible so I don't miss any of this for y'all. Those are the notes I'm supposed to be giving you. <laughs> but they'll be putting notes up as I go along and they'll put them up where they think it works because I don't have them in my head. So that, that work for y'all. Yes, OK. All right. So the Bible says here. Uh, in verse three, in the process of time. Now, the process of time means that this was probably the first Feast of the end gathering. Uh, we call it harvest time. All right. So this was the first time they had bought the produce and the livestock to offer God. Now, we have to ask this question. How did they know what to to uh, to give? When were they supposed to give it? And where were they supposed to give it? All right. Let's do the last one first. Where were they supposed to go? Well, there's some speculation here. So you have to read the Bible. And I say read, you have to study, you know, a little bit to find out that the Bible says that when they put them out the garden, it was the east side of the garden. And there at the east side of the garden, there was 
probably, now I say probably because the scripture doesn't specifically say, an altar set up there. Now, why do you say that, Pastor? Because the Bible says that if you look at chapter 3, in verse 24, the Bible says, So he drove man out and placed cherubim at the east gate of the Garden of Eden with a flaming sword. You see that? So whenever we see that term, flaming sword, guarding something, then when we do our Bible study, we know that usually it is the cherubim who have the flaming sword who guard the mercy seat or the ark of the covenant. Now, what that means is that most likely, based on historical data, that the east gate or the east entrance of the garden is where the altar was set up. Those flaming swordsmen uh, were guarding the presence of the anointing. Between the cherub was the mercy seat and on the mercy seat was the Shekinah glory. The indwelling presence of God. You understand this? So the presence of God was there at the mercy seat. And Adam had probably trained his boys that whenever you have your first harvest, this is where you take the offer. Now, let me stop and say something else, because this is interesting. Everybody probably tries to figure out how old were these boys? Huh? You know, you're raising crops and taking. They were at the age of accountability. What age is that? Well, that's different for everybody. But we assume they were teenagers. Okay? So Adam had trained them and told them, when you get your first harvest, this is what you do. You take it before the Lord. You give him the first fruits. Okay? All right? Now, I got to pivot. That set up giving forever. Now, keep in mind that Adam, I mean, uh, excuse me, Cain and Abel represents the character of all mankind. And those two boys were human nature and the nature of God. Listen, this is important. In every one of us is both. Remember, these boys were born outside of the garden. They were born. What is that? David said he said I was born in iniquity, uh, conceived in iniquity and born in sin. Every one of us was that way because we were born outside of the garden. Amen. Do we understand this? We have the potential, the propensity in each one of us to be either worldly or spiritual. Amen. And that's what Cain and Abel represents. Amen. Amen. And you'll notice from the story. 
that Cain lasted a lot longer than Abel. And of course, you also know by the mere fact that church is not full, that evil still has more prominence than good. Are y'all still with me? So here we got these two boys. And now it's time for them to make an offering. And the Bible says that now, now this is where it gets really tricky. Somebody say tricky. This is right here in the scripture. Notice here now, watch this. It says in verse two, now Abel was a keeper of the sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. Now, this is the first clue that something was wrong. What was what's the first clue? Remember, Moses is writing this from a legalistic point of view. And who does he mention first? And who is the firstborn? Well, a couple people go, ooh, trouble right here in River City. God had changed the order. Cain was aware and Cain was mad. Are y'all seeing this? So before he ever got to the altar, he was already mad. Hmm? So now he is mad and bringing God an offering. <laughs> mad with your brother and coming to church. I got to say it one more time. Mad with your brother, but you're still coming to church. Or sister. Now, the Bible says this in Matthew chapter 5, verse 22, 23, something like that. It said this, it says that if you got a problem with your brother, you ought to stop right there. Uh, you got to fix it. You, you, you got to fix it, right? Amen. So these boys, brothers, possibly twins, here we see they had a situation. Situ I don't know y'all that well. A situation. <laughs> if I knew you better, I'd say situation. But they had this situation that they were dealing with. So Cain comes and offers something that he produced. All right. And God didn't like what he bought. Now, Abel offered one of his, we're going to call it little lambs. But the Bible said these boys have been taught that the only way that you can have fellowship with God is through the remission of sin by shedding blood. Amen. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 21, when Adam and Eve sinned, God began to ask them a question. 
Adam, where are you? And why are you hiding? And Adam's response was, you know, I was naked and I was ashamed. Well, the Bible says that God foreshadowing the death of Jesus Christ, who was the seed of the woman, Genesis chapter three. Y'all still with me? Bible says that God killed an animal, God himself, and covered Adam and Eve. That covering is called atonement. You break it down at one man. Are you still with me? So the Bible says that God showed them that the only way man could be at one with God is that there must be a sacrifice that is comparable what he showed them. But Cain, being a product of the flesh, decided I'm going to do what I want the way I want to do it. Now, he was already upset with his brother because he thought his brother was doing the same thing we see later on in the Bible, stealing his birthright. So he says, because now watch this, very simply, all he had to do is go to his brother and say, look, here's a bushel of corn. Let me have a lamb. Amen. That's all he had to say. That's all he had to say. And he could have gotten a lamb and sacrificed it and all would have been well with the Lord. <clears throat> all right. Here's the commercial now. How many of you have had an issue with a person who needed, uh, who had what you needed, Amen. but you wouldn't go to them because of the issue you have with your flesh? Amen. I wouldn't go to them if I was stopped. <laughs> or the other way. I wouldn't give him air if he was suffocating. Both are acts of the flesh. Are y'all still with me? <clears throat> and because they're both acts of the flesh, Cain represented that side of mankind, but Abel was just the opposite. He was a product of grace. He knew what it was to sacrifice the right thing. Now, this also brings us back to one other problem. You see, folks, when you raise children, <clears throat> the Bible said that you have to train them the way they should go, not the way you think they ought to go. All right. Again, since I don't know all y'all that well, I don't want to get all up in your business. But I do need to say this. See, when a child is born, when a child is born, before you put a name on the child, you ought to know what the child is here for. And when you figure out what the child is here for, that's when you name them. 
Okay, y'all quiet now. Y'all, see, whatever you name them, you're going to speak it on their life and in their life. And the Bible says, because you, you parents, because you obviously are saved, sanctified, Holy Ghost filled. You know, you had that before you got married and had these children. <laughs> Hello. I mean, don't be looking at me funny. I know we all had past. But can I just talk to you about now? You have to you have to know if you are having a child, if you are pregnant, you should be talking to the Lord then trying to determine what it is you're carrying. How do you not know that you're not carrying the cure for cancer? Hmm? But you come here and bring a little pookie here. All right. Okay, y'all look at me funny. You call your little baby pookie. Now, wait now. What does that mean? So for 20, 30 years, you pookie, hey pookie, come here pookie. So you're speaking. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of the Lord. And now you say sanctified, Holy Ghost filled, but you still call him Pookie. So what is Pookie going to do in life? Pook. I don't know what that is. I don't like nicknames. I'll be honest with you. I had a friend I went to school with many years ago. But from the time he was a little child, they called him Nasty Nose. Yep. Now he's a 70 year old man and they still call him. They shortened it. They call him Nasty now. Now what? But naming is important. But but now listen, training is just as important. The Bible says train up a child the way he is bent. That's what the scripture really says. If you look it up, it means that every child is leaning a certain direction. You need to make sure that you got him in that direction. Amen. Well, Pastor, I don't know what he's going to do. Well, now you need to talk to the Lord. That's why I say if you, especially if you're a mother, you got you got to be a praying mama. Uh, uh, what, what? That's why. That, look, come on. We wouldn't. None of us would be here if it wasn't for mama praying. E even if you're not saved, you still pray because you got you want this child to get out of you. <laughs> so, please, Lord. Please. <laughs> but but the fact is, you have to know. Now, Adam has told these boys, so these boys knew exactly what they were supposed to do and where they were supposed to do it. We've already established the where. And then he had taught them what? We know exactly what they were supposed to offer. If you want to atone for sin, it must be a blood offering. Only the blood will cover sin. Are we still together? So we find that there's a problem here because the brothers aren't communicating because the, the, the law of the firstborn that kicked in. They weren't talking to each other because it looked like uh, uh, 
God had reversed the order on them. And, and, and you know, how, that would make you mad, too, right? Amen. The privilege of the firstborn is double portion and you, you get nothing because uh, uh, somebody just changed the order for no reason whatsoever. Amen. Hmm? All right. So let's see how this thing plays out. OK. The Bible says this. It says uh, in verse four, and Abel also bought the firstborn of his flock and of the fat and the Lord respected. Now, we know the Lord respected because the Bible says when we offer him a sacrifice, he shows us that he accepts it by coming down in fire and consuming it. OK, so the Bible says, but he had no respect. He did not respect Cain or his offering. He did not respect Cain. He did not respect Cain. He recognized a problem in Cain. He recognized a problem in Cain. Now, see, that sin nature, that natural side of us is always something that we we know is there. And, and, and folks can see it in us even when we can't see it in ourselves. You know, you know how some people uh, uh, are just contrarians. Y'all know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking about? OK, stay, stay with me for a moment. I'll show you exactly what I'm talking about. <clears throat> so here's what the Bible says. Uh, the Bible says he did not respect. This is verse five. Cain and his offering. And Cain was angry and his countenance fell. Two things I want to show you. He was angry and his countenance fell. He was angry and his countenance fell. He was angry and his countenance fell. First of all, I asked the question, right? Why, why, why is he mad? Well, we know why he was mad. But how do we know he was mad? See, 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 look at the next verse. Look at the next verse. Look at the next verse. This is good. So the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry and why has your countenance fallen? When you see a person's facial expression drop, you know there's something wrong with them. That is an indication that they have moved out of the spirit and into the flesh. Let me go on to the other side. Yeah. And I know what folks tell me all the time. Pastor, ain't nobody happy all the time. Yeah, yeah, y'all. Wait a minute now. If you, just, can, I, can I just give you this scenario? If you have all your bills paid, you're in good health, all your children are subjective, you know, everything, would you not be happy? Amen. And when people see you, they say, Man, that, that's a good look on you. Look like you, you got it going on. Mm -hmm. huh? Is that what they say about y'all? <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? Your face, your face will tell it all. Amen. Even when you try it. It doesn't change anything because I've seen this. Now, y'all have too. People be smiling, but they had them wrinkles, them three lines right across. Yeah. That's why you had, you know, I tell people all the time when I'm talking, I say, look at me, look at me. Because I don't want you. Huh? Don't obey. 
stupid. <laughs> no, but, but <laughs> your face says a lot about who you are. Now, this is something that is in the fourth chapter of the first book of the Bible where God himself had to have a personal audience with a sinner to say to him, what's wrong with you? And then he had to ask him a second time, what's up with you? So here's what here's, here's the question for today. How do you handle correction? How do you handle correction? Do you bring your countenance up? Or do you deny, deny the presence of God? What, what, what's the answer? Wait a minute. What are we, what, there are only two answers to that question. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If your countenance does not change, listen to me. If your countenance does not change, it means that you deny the power of God. God spoke to this man personally and he said, why is your countenance this way? And it didn't change. Then he asked him a question. If you fix this thing, you'll be all right. He gave him an opportunity, a personal opportunity to change. And he said, I don't want to. Now, I'll tell you what he really said. I'm mad. He's talking to God. So I'm mad. Huh? Here's what he said. I'm mad with you. I can't do nothing to you. But this thing that looks like you, made in your image, I can take my anger out on it. See, everybody thinks that this story is about worship, and it is, but it's more about relationships. Relationships one to another. And the problem is this, is that God wanted to show mankind these two, these two sides of one coin, the, the natural side and the spiritual side, the, the, the side that says, I'm going to do it my way, and the side that says, you need to do it God's way. The side that says that you need to learn how to sacrifice your feelings for the good of everybody else. And the other side that says, I can do whatever I want and you can't make me do anything. Amen. Amen. Those two, listen, those two sides of that same coin are in everybody in the house. Everybody here has that. And I can promise you that God has talked to you personally and he said to you, what's wrong with you? Yeah, yeah. You know, now, uh, uh, without getting in a whole lot of trouble, I tell I tell my congregation, I can't say my business. You need to stop looking like y'all mad with somebody because that's not that's not Christ like. That's, that's not Christ like. People talk to you. all That does not exemplify the presence of God. 
Amen. How many people will you win to Christ when you all wrinkle all up? Amen. Folk don't want to see that. Mind your own business, Pastor. Okay. So the Bible said this. It's why are you angry and why is your countenance fallen? Now, the question is two part because, because anger and face go together. Mm-hmm. 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 You try. I know you, everybody tried. You really try hard to keep your face looking good. But you don't have to try. Listen, you, you don't have to try if you know that Jesus paid it all. Huh? You have, you listen, you have been a partaker of his divine grace so that he has paid the price for your salvation. In other words, the Bible says that because I have this joy, uh, peace and righteousness in the Holy Ghost, huh? Because I'm in the kingdom of God, I don't have any reason to frown. Even sometimes when bad stuff happened to me, I had to smile. Huh? You know, I had to ask the question. I said, oh, okay, devil, I see what you did there. But you ain't going to win this one. Amen. I mean, you can get mad and fuss and cuss. It ain't going to change anything, is it? So why not just smile and say, you know what? <laughs> I got the victory. I'm going to show you something, devil. Watch this. But that's because you've been delivered. That's because you're born again. And you see, that's what God is saying. He's saying to Cain, listen, man, all you got to do is make the right choice. Make the right choice. Make the right choice. The problem with church folk in particular is that they believe if they can go to church and participate in a service that they're going to be all right. So you're offering God something that's not real. And because it's not real, it doesn't change anything. So it doesn't change your countenance, nor does it change your confession. So when you leave church, you're just like you were when you came in. And therefore, you're angry all the time. They're mean Christians. Amen. Amen. Hmm? But pastor... You don't know what they did to me. You don't know what they said to me. You don't know how they treated me. What does that got to do with anything? Uh, what? what? Wait a minute now. Pastor, you're too cold now. Wait a minute. No, it has nothing to do with anything because you are the only person who controls you. You are the only person. The Bible says that one of the fruit of the spirit is self-control. Not, not them, self-control. If I allow myself to be controlled by other people, then I have given them power over my life. And that's wrong. Self-control. See, we come to the place where we always talk about what they said, what they did. What's that got to do with you? Huh? Gotta give myself calm. <laughs> no, I, I, I'm tired of people who have excuses that don't carry any weight. Amen. Amen. The only excuse, can I give you the real excuse? Can I just say it and be real with y'all? I'm just a mean old sinner and I want my way. 
Just, just say it, because that's what it is. And you said you always talking about what they. No, no, it's you. It, it's you. It's, it's just you. It's just you. Nobody else. Now, if you don't believe that, if you don't believe that, when you stand before Christ, see how many folk are coming with you. Yeah, Jesus, I, I, I know them. Yeah, they're all right. Yeah, let them in. Let them in. I don't think so. Because <laughs> they're on the outside trying to get you in. So, I mean, that, that <laughs> are we still here? I got to close this. I got to close this. <laughs> All right. So the Bible says this. Uh, if you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not, it says sin lies at the door. Now, sin is one of those things that is as near as our eyes, our ears and our mouth. It's that close. It's that close. You wouldn't blink away from sinning. It, it's that close. What does that mean? It's at the door. Every time the devil raises his head, it is an opportunity for you to show the power of God. Not, not every now and then, every single time, every single time you have to take authority over the enemy whenever he raises his head. The Bible says, Ephesians 4, 25, 27, uh, don't give the devil any place. You can't give him an opportunity. He will seize it. And whatever you think, you know, well, well, uh, you know, I know they're over there talking about me. No, they ain't. And the devil would season that and he'll tell you they saying all kinds of stuff about you Amen. and what's your countenance. So before you even get to the person, you're mad and you're mad with them. Amen. Isn't that the spirit of Cain? Amen. Amen. Y'all understand what I'm saying? Jude 11 talks about the going the way of Cain. Don't you only turn there. Going the way of Cain. And it talks, he says, woe unto you who go the way of Cain. And this is what we do. We go the way of flesh and we're comfortable with it. So comfortable. Listen, that even God himself who ministers to you can't make you change. How do I know that? Because the word is God. And God's word ministers to you and you refuse to change. Get upset if somebody even intimates that you need to change. Hmm. And here's the question that folks ask all the time. Well, why is it me that has to change? I got a simple answer for you. Because <laughs> you're the only person that has you. <laughs> I had a friend that always said this. He said, if you got uh, too much sense, no, not enough sense for one person, 
and too much for two, that makes you an idiot. That makes sense to me. You cannot, you can't, listen, no matter how much you try, you can't get in my head. You don't know what I'm thinking or what I'm feeling. You can't do it. And no matter how much you want to, you look at me and you say, oh, yeah, oh, you feel like it. No, you don't know anything about me. I realize that in this skin look like it's made for two of us in here, but. But, but the, the, the truth is, it's just one. It, it's just one. I'm the only person who can minister the truth to me, and I'm the only one who can make me change. When I hear the voice of the Lord, I need to do something about it. But I can't hear his voice if he is separated from me. If my sin has separated me from him, he won't be talking to me. So the only way I can hear him is I've got to first do exactly what God told Cain. You got to do the right thing. You got to make the right choice. You need to go to your brother, get a lamb, come back and sacrifice it, and then you will be accepted. In other words, your sin will be covered. And if your sin's covered, you can come back to the Lord and you can now talk to him. Amen. We try to do it the other way around. No, you got to go back to the beginning. That's why it started out that way. The first thing that had to happen is somebody had to die for somebody else. Somebody had to die for somebody else. Christ introduced in the garden the principle of substitution. A life for life. Go ahead and tell me. But Adam didn't die. Yes, he did. The Adam who was sinless, who was perfect, died the moment he sinned. So there had to be new life. And when God recreated by covering his sins, he put him out the garden. Now, oh, God, one last point and I'm going to be through, I think. <laughs> Justice always precedes mercy. Write that in your notes. I don't want you to forget that. Justice always precedes mercy. Must be justice before there's any mercy. You can't go to God for mercy if there's no justice. He's got to do what's right and he's got to fix it. In other words, he's got to reestablish you in righteousness before he can have mercy on you. So what he did is he did the just thing by killing an animal for Adam, a life for a life. And then he was able to show him mercy by not letting him die naturally, but putting him out the garden and live again. Yeah. So he was able, if we look at what the Bible says in John, that if a person is not born again, he can't enter the kingdom. But he said this, he said, even if he's not born again, he can't even see the kingdom. So he had to go back and let Adam understand that unless my justice is enforced, there'll be no mercy for you. Amen. And the just thing is that sin must be atoned for before mercy can be applied. Yeah. Do we understand this? 
Adam taught Cain, God spoke to Cain, but Cain still refused to hear. Now, I'm, a, I'm out of time to Jesus. I got to find some of these notes. <laughs> some closing notes, right? Good. I should have gave him that. Hmm. <laughs> Let me just give you this one thing. The consequences of our reaction to God's correction are more far reaching than the initial sin itself. In other words, sometimes if we don't make the right decision, the consequences themselves become bigger than the sin that we started out with. You, some of y'all have been mad with somebody for so long. You forgot why you got mad because you done added 10 or 15 other reasons to be mad with him. Hmm? Y'all? <laughs> That's the nature of Cain. So, here's the conclusion it's my sin, the sin in me that produces anger. It is my sin, the sin in me, that produces anger. If I'm mad with somebody, it's because of my sin. Somebody say, why is it my sin? Let me tell you why. My anger is because of what God requires of me. See, we always talk about what somebody else is doing. No, it's what God requires of me. And I'm mad because I don't live up to what God requires of me. Amen? Are you still with me? So that my anger then becomes a problem in my relationship with my brothers and sisters. If I'm mad because I've not lived up to that standard, I'm mad with somebody. Do you understand? Nobody's just mad for the sake of being mad. You're mad with Somebody. You're mad with somebody. So hence, broken relationships. Because you're angry. You're angry. You're angry. Your sin is creating a problem for how you deal with other people. Y'all still with me? And see, what we have is so many people today that are upset with other folk because they, they won't get themselves Right. Amen. So rather than change, you know what I do, right? I kill them. Okay, y'all looking at me funny. Matthew chapter 5, verse 21 says this. You have heard it said, of old, those of old, you shall not murder. Whoever murders will be in danger of judgment. But I say to you that whoever is angry with his brother, verse 22, without a cause shall be in danger of judgment. You notice it didn't have to say anything about the brother. Talk about you. 
you understand this? The way of Cain is that I'm going to keep relying on flesh. I'm going to deny what God has already said, that the only way back. In Luke chapter 16, there's a story about uh, 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 Lazarus and, and, and the beggar. Y'all know the story? Okay, I can't tell it because I'm out of time, but, but the story basically says that there's a great gulf fixed between us. In other words, uh, there's a chasm between man and God. And you can't, if you're on this side, you can't get over. Let me change it another way. If you're on earth, you can't get to heaven unless you cross this, this pit. And the only way that you get on from this side to that side is you got to go across the cross. I know that's a, across the cross. <laughs> across by way of the cross. <laughs> In other words, Jesus work on the cross is the only way you can get from this side to that side. You can't make it unless you go across the blood. It's got to come that way. And nothing's changed in 2000 years. You all have to have the same blood in order to change. Somebody say, well, I'm already saved. You talking about the blood of Jesus. Yeah, well, the blood is still running. And you still angry with somebody about something. And, you know, as many times as we do this and I tell the church all the time, as many times as we do this and we have all these altar calls, nobody ever changes because you are expecting, you are expecting me or any other preacher to change something in you. Amen. It's not going to happen. Amen. The only thing that's going to change you is Jesus himself. But I can make you one promise. If you have a desire to change, I can close by telling you he's here this morning. And as you stand up on your feet, I want to say this. He can heal.